1: That's audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500.
2: And we're now joined by former Secretary of Defense, Robert Gates. Good to have you here.
3: Thank you, Margaret.
2: You know, you have argued again that the United States confronts graver threats to security than it has in decades and perhaps ever. Political leaders uh, don't seem to be charting a course in your estimation. Do you see anyone on the horizon who is promising a vision?
3: In all honesty, I don't think so, um, at least among those uh, who, are, um, who are running for president uh, at this point. Uh, I mean, what I haven't heard anyone articulating their vision of what America's role in the world ought to be and where we ought to engage, how to engage, how to bring along the American people, not to mention the Congress.
2: Last time we spoke, though, you did say while you'd had policy differences with President Biden in the past, you liked how he was handling Ukraine. Now we're in this position where the White House, the Pentagon, the secretary of state have warned they are running out of funding for that fight. And yet it is unclear how and when Congress can provide it. How do you see this getting resolved?
3: Well, my hope is that uh, once the House has a new speaker and they turn, and the Congress turns to the longer-term appropriations process, that uh, some kind of compromise will be worked out that includes uh, significant funds for uh, for Ukraine. But we've sent a terrible signal to uh, uh, to other countries, not to mention Ukraine itself. But to our allies about whether whether our commitment can be sustained. And believe me, uh, Vladimir Putin and I would say Xi Jinping in China are paying very close attention. Can the United States sustain and fulfill its commitments? And, and the one thing that may happen is that I've heard from uh, a few senators is that they may go for one more really big package rather than having to come back every few weeks for another package. Uh, And that may be another way uh, through this uh, impasse that we have right now.
2: Mr. Secretary, you know, besides Ukraine funding, the United States Congress hasn't even passed into law a defense bill. Uh, And in fact, the Pentagon warned Congress last week the U.S. had to slow down the replenishment of our own forces to hedge against an uncertain funding future. There are also hundreds of military promotions being held up. Why can't former officials like yourself prod Republican leaders to move on things like this?
3: Well, I don't know what it would take to uh, uh, to prod them to act. The fact is that uh, the Congress has not passed a, an appropriations bill for. The defense department before the beginning of the fiscal year since 2010 and of course the hold on senior promotions is really without precedent and i think was actually going to take a long time uh, from which to recover Uh, you've got a lot of displacement of families and kids wanting to go to school and sign up in their new schools and so on it's it's very disruptive and i don't understand why uh, there hasn't been greater pressure brought to bear uh, to put this problem behind us. This is a policy and a political issue that's at stake. These military officers really don't have any say in it mm-hmm. and no role in it. And, and so I just, I think that uh, this is a terribly mistaken approach.
2: And, and yet there doesn't seem to be that sense of urgency that you have. <laughs> Why? Why isn't that being translated?
3: I honestly don't know the answer to that question, Margaret. I, the, the, as I wrote in an article last week, the peril is real. Uh, Xi Jinping and, and uh, Vladimir Putin are watching uh, all of this paralysis in Washington. It feeds their narrative that we are past our prime, that we can't get organized, that mm-hmm. our system of government is broken, uh, and, and that we are in decline uh, because we can't deal with these problems uh, here at home. And and you know it's 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 both parties, frankly, in terms of how we reach these impasses, and and I just I don't know what would light a fire under under these uh, politicians to make them come to their senses about the urgency of the problems we face and the need to do something about it now, not a year from now or two years from now. They're they're proceeding as though this were 1956 or something that. Uh, that nothing urgent was going on around the world. Mm
2: -hmm. Well, it occurs to me that that November 17th funding deadline, um, where the the government will possibly have to shut down again, um, happens to coincide with a potential visit by Xi Jinping of China to US soil. America's chief adversary would be meeting with President Biden in the midst of our Congress being in shutdown. Can can you give us a sense of what signal that sends to America's adversaries?
3: Well, I think Xi Jinping's first question, probably unspoken, is so how how's it going, President Biden? <laughs> uh, because it sends the signal again, as as I was just saying, that under that underpins their view that we're in decline. We can't get anything done. We're we're paralyzed.
2: But, I mean, you've said again and again in the years that we've spoken to you that you think polarization is the biggest threat to our country and our democracy. So, you know, within the Republican Party right now, there's this civil war, as you say. The parties also aren't working in a bipartisan way. How do we break through this at a moment that you're describing as incredibly dangerous?
3: It starts with leadership. Um, both leadership in the Congress and leadership in the White House. President Biden says the right things about wanting to do bipartisan deals, about reaching out to the other side and so on, Uh, but then there are actions taken that exacerbate the problem. and, And I would say the leaders of both parties in both houses of Congress bear a lot of responsibility for this. And I mean, the whole point of leadership is to be able to move things along. And I realize the destructive nature of the obstructionism in, uh, on the Republican side in in the House, but this is a matter for the leadership uh, to resolve. And and how how can you elect a speaker who who can't who can't lead? Uh, this is this is a huge problem, not just for the Republicans and for the House of Representatives, but for the country. Angie's List is now Angie, and we've heard a lot of theories about why. I thought it was an eco move.
0: Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's byt dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte.
2: Well, there are two declared candidates, Jim Jordan, uh, who has said he he doesn't necessarily support aid to Ukraine, and Steve Scalise, who, who as a congressman, has voted for it. So, I mean, is this choice really going to come down to that kind of framing here Um Is there a way around it?
3: How they they resolve this this race to to become speaker, I think, uh, is a mystery at this point, probably to them as well, in terms of how they get to a majority. Um, I think a lot of things will be said in the course of that uh, debate that uh, people may have to walk back after the decision is made. Um, and, And that's part of the problem. People say things in these campaigns and then they're held to account to them, um, that's one of the things that uh, undermined, I think, Speaker McCarthy. Mm-hmm. But, but I think you know how they resolve this, uh, and and what position can the House make a decision on anything, uh, given given the divisions in the Republican on the Republican side in particular.
2: And y- Ukraine needs the aid as soon as possible. Uh, What we are hearing is they have critical shortages of artillery, ammunition and air defense missiles. We know around the world, other countries are running through their available stockpiles as well. So when you hear the argument that allies can make up the difference for a short period of time, is that a legitimate argument here? I mean, how, how do you understand the actual need?
3: I think that there is a, a, an immediate need, and I, I think that allies and other countries can probably make up some of those shortages for a brief period of time. But what's most important to Ukraine, right along with the artillery shells and ammunition and missiles and so on, is, is the confidence that the support of the democracies in the West, led by the United States, will be there for them as the president has said, for as long as it takes. Now, you know, we don't, there is a real risk of a long term stalemate in this conflict, at which point pressures will grow on every side in Europe, as well as here, for some kind of a negotiated deal. But Mm -hmm. for the next number of months, what the Ukrainians need, as much as the ammunition, is the confidence that, that our support will remain steadfast. Well,
2: while there's one story in the House, there are a number of Republicans in the Senate who are very supportive of of Ukraine, um, and yet there is this criticism that President Biden hasn't made the argument easy to them necessarily to sell at home. If President Biden is to make this major policy speech that he says he's going to make, what's the selling argument here? What does he need to persuade people?
3: The fundamental lesson is the importance of America continuing to accept its global leadership responsibilities. The cost of those respon- of exercising those responsibilities is dramatically less than if we were to enter into a war. That leadership has led to 75 years of great power peace. That's the first time in centuries that has happened. That's our military, the institution, international institutions we helped design. Uh, our own system for that matter. And so uh, what is really critical is the message that, that it's in America's long-term interest, that it's our vital interest to exercise that leadership because all these things internationally are connected. I mean, as, as I've written, is it's naive to believe that Putin's success in Ukraine would not embolden Xi Jinping to act against Taiwan. Those who say we ought not be paying attention to Ukraine, but ought to be paying attention to Taiwan, don't understand that they are connected and, and that these leaders, uh, Xi Jinping and Vladimir Putin, are, are working together. And, and if we don't understand that interconnectedness and how these events abroad affect our interests, then we're in real trouble. And that's the message that our leaders have not made And and frankly, it's not just one speech in the Oval Office, uh, from the Oval Office, that's important, obviously. But as Franklin Roosevelt said, the most important responsibility of a leader is to educate. And it's the role of of not just the president, but leaders in Congress to help American people understand why this engagement is is inexpensive in the long-term in terms of protecting our interests and a lot less expensive than a war with either Russia or China. Mm-hmm.
2: And lastly, uh, Mr. Secretary, we overuse the word unprecedented, <laughs> but we haven't seen this play out in the US Congress before. How do you understand the moment that we are in right now?
3: I think it's a very dangerous moment uh, and because the whole world is watching this. It's not just like this is an in-house uh, struggle that that doesn't matter the question is from the, for the rest of the world what role is the united states going to play in the rest in the rest of the world and both our friends and our adversaries are looking for the answer to that question and the longer this paralysis goes on this the longer this stalemate and inability to resolve big issues in the congress goes on the more our adversaries are encouraged and the more our allies and friends are discouraged and will begin to hedge against the possible loss of American leadership.
2: Mr. Secretary, always good to have your perspective. Thank you for joining us.
3: Thank you, Margaret.
0: If you like Face the Nation with Margaret Brennan, you can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or on Apple Podcasts. Prime members can listen ad-free on Amazon Music.
1: Listen to Blood is Thicker, The Hargan Family Killings, wherever you get your podcasts. Access episodes early and ad-free with 48 Hours Plus on Apple Podcasts.